0: Guru Nation, welcome to episode 763 of Random Usings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I interview Jeslyn Atanu. Jeslin is a instructor for both of the CRA and the CRC academies. She has done it all as far as research is concerned. She's been CRC, she's been CRA, she's been remote site monitor, she's been a consultant, uh, and now she's teaching In addition to the other things she does for our CRA and CRC academies. And in this episode, we actually discuss three skill sets that really new research people should develop and all research people, um, but especially new ones. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. I wanted to give a shout out to my sponsors really quick Innato. Innato is a great way for free to get new studies for your site. You have to have therapeutic area expertise as of right now so it's not a place to get new studies that you've never done before but if you have experience in a certain therapeutic indication or many it is a good place to go because it's absolutely free they do not touch your contract or budget they actually get paid by the sponsors so go check it out I'm currently in the process of getting two more studies for one of my sites right now hopefully it works out and my next sponsor is Creo I can't imagine life without Creo, eSource, eReg, CTMS. I'm gonna implement the patient recruitment aspect with the auto texting. I'm gonna also start implementing the one click getting medical records for any patient in the in the United States, uh, amazing tool. This one is not free, but it's definitely worth the price in my opinion. Creo link in the show notes Both in and Creo Links are in the show notes And with that being said Here's Jess Lenaton Live, live, live We are live guys It's really early actually yes. To be live It's 7am mountain time 8am central time 6am pacific time uh, If you're watching this later on YouTube Or listening It doesn't matter what time it is okay? it's, it's your time And we've got CRA Academy one of our instructors <laughs> Jesslyn Atanu her link for her LinkedIn is underneath here she's a really amazing person she's like a a real generalist she's been in a lot of different roles in research and then she teaches three bonus classes every CRA Academy and How has that been so far, actually, Jocelyn?
1: It has been amazing. The students are amazing. They are loving these classes. And the entire Sierra Academy program is truly a wealth of knowledge. So the feedback has been nonstop amazing.
0: Which one is your favorite to teach? And then which one's the most popular? Mm. Are they the same?
1: You know, that is truly a hard question. So I love your hard curveball <laughs> questions, Dad. <laughs> I would say my favorite will be the third um, of the bonus classes that I offer, which is the advice, tips, and tricks that new CRAs and transitioning CRAs would need once they start working. Um, there's so much to know and to learn that is not the theoretical part of being a CRA. And that's the one part that a lot of people don't ever get. They always get the, this is what I do when I go on site. This is how I monitor. They don't get the um, the part where it advises you about time management and all of that fun stuff that no one ever tells you about. Um, so that is my favorite. Ironically, the EKG class seems to be the one class that a lot of people have more questions on which is quite interesting but yeah uh, it is a tie between the EKG and the last bonus class offered which is how to be successful CRA
0: yeah I could imagine the EKG one is the most technical Mm -hmm. Uh, it is that's probably the only one that I wouldn't know how to teach Uh, (laughs) so I've watched that a few times I still gotta go in there and brush up on yeah. details but um, it's good that for the students we have the replays are available yes absolutely. You guys. Um, okay cool so maybe just you've had a stint oh you've had a stint at a CRO you've had like a few different stints yeah. in research like what are maybe some some takeaways from you that maybe people are not expecting that have not worked in the industry or maybe haven't worked in the the different roles that you have
1: um the one that is becoming more popular is burnout the burnout is real and even though it's becoming spoken about more often now the reality of it hits you like a rock um so it's just learning to find that balance and you have to be intentional about it. So don't go into it and wait for the situation to give you a, okay, I need to find some time to relax or to take care of me. Go in already being prepared to deal with the the potential burnout. So that's the one thing is, um, I guess people are so excited to get on and get the job. They don't ever pause to think, well, how am I going to manage my work-life balance? So first thing is get yourself prepared. Start learning what it is that stresses you out, what it is that calms you down, and find that balance on the moment you start getting the work stress. Do what you need to do to balance. For me... It's coffee. So I already have my coffee ready.
0: I know it's yeah. 8 a.m. here. Let <laughs> me amped.
1: Uh, see? Yep. So um, definitely work-life balance is to find something that helps keep you calm and helps keep you centered. And the second thing is work culture. The work culture is... Really, really important, especially because clinical research is so fast-paced. It's very intense. If you have a company or a CRO, a pharma or a site where the culture is toxic or the people you work with are toxic, ooh, that's going to be really, really horrible to have to contend <laughs> with. Yeah. And I personally had that experience in one of the CRs I worked with. It was more of the line manager that was just crazy toxic. So I had to make a choice for my own mental health. And I was like, no, this is not going to work. So um, definitely those two things is to find that work-life balance and what centers you, what keeps you calm in stress, and to be sure that you have a good culture and the place you work with which you never know until you get there but once you get there you have to make that decision of if your mental health is worth risking the pay
0: uh it never is and yes those situations are terrible as a business owner I try to eliminate that as soon as I see it but sometimes it creeps in if you're not careful even on the other side like it could creep in even from a management perspective, and you've got to work really hard to create that culture. Okay, Jessalyn. So, and this is why it's so important to be a generalist. Uh, if you don't like a place that you're working, like when you're first starting out, you just take whatever job you get. That's Oops. fine. Yeah. You're building a skill set, but it's important to get a diverse uh, plethora of, of skills at your arsenal so that you can because what what having that skill set does is it makes you a desirable candidate for another position somewhere else if yeah. you don't like where you're currently at and a lot Absolutely. of people don't have that and a lot of work environments don't foster that so it's on the individual to do that that's why we that's why we teach from a generalist perspective at the syria academy one of the reasons why you're one of the instructors
1: indeed
0: (laughs) okay let's go one by one the first uh technical skill everyone should learn ekg Mm, yes so let's go with that one
1: so ekg um in the CRA Academy class, I teach more of the theoretical parts, which I would go ahead and label as the foundational knowledge. Um, ideally, you will need to go through a training program, which depending on the program you go to, it's roughly about, about three months um, to actually learn to do an EKG or be an EKG tech. Um, but in the setting of clinical research and for the purpose Purpose of getting that foundational knowledge, I do my best to condense it into one session, and the goal there is the foundational knowledge because there is a basis of understanding that you would need in order to successfully know what EKG is about. So yep. it's building that foundational knowledge, and then depending I recommend on nine
0: I bought uh-huh. this. I recommend it. We don't give this out in the academy because it's not mm-hmm. we're not EKG techs. <laughs> But nope. for those, and you don't even need to do the academy to just, I think I spent like 12 bucks on Amazon. And this book has, yeah. you know, probably everything Jeslyn touches on in her course, yeah. like, but in more detail, but what she teaches in that, what, like, hour session?
1: Yes, roughly an hour. It goes over every time, but <laughs> roughly just, an hour.
0: It shows you where you need to look further, basically. Like, yes. you're not going to come out of that. Maybe you will knowing how to read an EKG, but you'll at least know like the concepts of like where you need to yes.
1: brush up on. Yes. So one of the things that is touched on is the EKG lead placements, which uh, for CRS is beneficial because when you're on site, if you have maybe a cardiology study and you have to monitor and perhaps that study is the one where they have a, um, a printout or a copy of a printout in the subject's binder or charts or whatever the case may be, you possibly needing to look and see, okay, is it there and blah, blah, blah. If you do have one of those where they actually have the EKG strip, well, are you just going to look at it and say, oh, there's a pretty paper in in the subject's chart? You kind of want to see because there are little things like, well, did the EKG print out well? Were there artifacts? There's some little things that you can just eyeball on the spot. You're not the PI, so you're not supposed to interpret it. But there are little things that you can pick up on that's touching in the class. And definitely that book will help you in picking up on some things. But yes, in the class, I do go over a lot more in depth as in depth as possible to touch on little things that as a CRA, you can pick up on when you do have a study to monitor and an EKG is used.
0: Can you give like three things, maybe not everyone's going to join the CRA Academy after watching this, maybe a few, <laughs> You uh, should. the link is underneath the Syria but three, the uh-huh. like top three things that a newbie should focus on when it comes to um, understanding EKGs?
1: So I would say the top three things is understanding what the EKG is telling you. So um, the EKG is basically reading the electrical activity of the heart, right? So, well, what does the actual in on the paper, I'm trying to make this in as simplistic terms as possible, um, the printout, what is it telling you? What does all of the lines represent? What do the boxes, the small and big, what do they all represent? So that's the first thing I would say, um, understand what it's telling you. Um, second thing to learn is what is right and wrong on the actual EKG printout. So like I was just mentioned a few seconds ago in terms of sometimes when an EKG is printed out, depending on how the leads are placed, it may print out wrong. And one of my favorites, um, well, not necessarily favorites, one of the craziest experience I had was an EKG that was printed out and it indicated that that patient was literally having a stroke. And of course, the staff who printed the EKG and did the whole EKG did not know how to read and just pick up on a little thing. So did the EKG, followed the law, sent the patient home, and before you know it, the patient had a stroke.
0: Wow, EKG can show that stuff. What was uh, it? Do you remember like the technical things? Like maybe not the exact numbers, but what was it? Like the concept.
1: So basically on the EKG, when it's printed out, it Tells you the rhythm of the heart, so it tells you if the patient is tachycardic, if they're bradycardic. There are a lot of like different sinus rhythms that it tells. So based on the rhythm that prints out, it tells you what is going on with the patient's heart. So based on that, you can kind of like tell little things like, okay, hey, this patient's heart is beating so dangerously slow, or it's like pe- beating way too fast. So this is a sign that something is going on. Let's you know delve a little deeper clinically. So it's the patient's chart, excuse me, the patient's EKG was indicative that something was going wrong. And the staff, I don't know if the staff wasn't paying attention or wasn't familiar what was going on. So the staff did not know. She just printed out the EKG, put it on the PI's desk and the PI wasn't available. So it got drowned on some papers. So yeah, so just knowing how to read the EKG and you don't necessarily need to know, okay, I need to know every EKG rhythm. I need to know all of that. Even on YouTube, our favorite place to go apparently, um, it does have some rhythm um, strips that you can practice and learn the different rhythms that exist and just get familiar with what it looks like on paper. And that book will be another one. I do have some EKG books that I also use to refresh my
0: memory as you well. Have this one. Especially do you have for this different. one or do you have another one?
1: Um, The one I have is actually used to prop up my computer but ah. I have a version <laughs> of that. Let's There's see if so many good this. ones out there like even like
0: yes. you said YouTube alone it's the interest and the desire to do it like you don't even need to spend. Oh yours is even yes. more like thorough looks like. Yes.
1: So actually, this is the book I use when I actually train to learn to be an EKG tech. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: this is one of the two books that I have. Yeah. Excuse me. And I have this is part of the assignment I have. I have this EKG strip that I created and it basically gives me all of the different EKG rhythms. On one side, I made this myself, by the way. Wow. And oops, it tells me the different rhythms.
0: So wow, it's like, you did this! <laughs> you know, oh, making I was, cards. Ready. Yeah. The way I learned, especially in college, and even now, if I'm trying to learn something different, I do write it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily making cards. I mean, that's the next step, but just writing down, uh, transmitting, even if it's like, just redundant, but writing down, like let's say a protocol. Yeah. Writing it in my own words, what I just read Mm -hmm. and, like, what I think are the most important parts, that alone helps me learn something. So just the act of doing something, like, active, right? Not passive learning. Like, passive learning would be sitting here watching us do this, right? Or watching (laughs) you, like, if you're in the Sierra Academy, watching your presentation, Active learning mm-hmm. would be at least writing it down or developing flashcards of what you're saying or going a step further. Uh, it's just to me, it's a you can't cheat yourself as much when you force nope. yourself to write because you force yes. yourself to just focus. Like when you're listening, you can your mind can wander. You can do all right. Kind of, you know, you can kind of cheat, but when you're yep. writing it, you can't. There's nothing yep. else.
1: The focus becomes intensifies, and that's literally one of my favorite words is that intentionality is you literally have to be intentional about your learning, about your career, about being a CRA. It's the intentionality. And even with coming to the CRA Academy, um, all the teachers, all of the resources that's presented, we are here to help you. We provide you with all that we can to help you. But at the end of the day, if you are not doing the work, if you're not taking ownership of your education and you're learning, there's only so much that you're gonna be able to get from it. Because um, one of the favorite things my um, grandmother always tells me is, well, you can force a horse to the water, but you cannot make it drink. Yeah. So it's like we can give you all of these resources and all of this information, but if you're not doing the work to learn it and retain it.
0: Yeah, it's so- not, not going to be very beneficial mm-hmm. or as, uh, as optimal. Yes. Okay. Did we cover EKGs enough or is one more thing that you need to mention before we move on? Yeah.
1: Wow. I think we covered it.
0: It's pretty technical. That's the most technical one. I could see how that's the one you get the most questions on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I thought it was important enough. Almost every study has EKG. Yeah.
1: And And it's such a,
0: even for CRC, uh, well, even more for CRCs maybe to learn it. And I know you teach that in the CRC Academy as well. But for CRAs also, like it helps to understand this stuff. When oh, you're yeah. monitoring, I think it makes you, what if the PI or the sub-I is just NCS, you know, by default, just because they're busy. <laughs> you can question like, hey, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I don't want to step on your toes, but like this QTC you sure? interval, this yeah.
1: Not significance? No. And a lot
0: of these protocols have EKG yeah. safety things. Like if yeah. the QTC interval is over 500 or they always have something like that, PQR, yeah. QCPR like you need to know these things well and not just know them as words and numbers, but actually know what they mean. It's helpful. Yeah. So thank you for teaching that, that part. What's the next one you said organizing or.
1: uh... Oh, so the second thing is we talk about the clinical research systems that are used by pretty much um, all clinical researchers, um, the sites and the sponsor CROs as well. But yeah, it's the second thing we touch on.
0: There's a lot. So where do you, how do you teach that? Because um, actually I actually have not listened to one of these sessions. I've only listened to the EKG one because of selfish reasons. Yeah. But where, <laughs> where do you even start that's with? A, where do you start with all these things?
1: So with that, I would say it's arguably the. <laughs> it's arguably the hardest class to teach just because there are so many softwares that are out there. And with this world becoming more techn- technological, there's so much, like so many softwares coming out there. So, um, with that, I literally focus on introducing the different softwares to them, make them aware okay, well, what is the CDMS? What's a CTMS? What's a TMF? What's an EDC? So again, that's the one thing. And um, for me coming into clinical research, those are things that I was never taught. Those are things I never found out until I got inside and the monitor showed them. I'm like, Hey, such and such study. We did the um monitoring training excuse me the study protocol training and it's like okay he, here are the laundry list of st- um software you're going to need to use what <laughs> yeah <laughs> not only do i have to learn the protocol now I have to learn a whole new software like what's happening so um those are things that i never really um got the opportunity to learn it was just kind of like a blitz attack so in this um bonus class which is the second of the three offered i do focus on the introduction of the different softwares, what they do, and to help students realize that, okay, hey, when it comes to entering um, the study visit, all of that stuff that I've gotten from the site, I put it in CTMS, um, but hold on, there's also the TMF, there's the ETMF there, EDC, there are all of these things when I am doing my... um, study uh, SDV, SDR. Well, am I doing that on paper? Am I doing it in thin air? Like, where am I doing this?
0: (laughs) It's crazy how much stuff there are. Like one of my coordinators that's relatively new the other day asked me, um, oh, what's, what's like IRT? Because she's been using EDC. She's been using the other portals. And I said, yeah, we need a screen fail on the IRT. So it just teaching like why these portals even exist, I think is the, like a huge unlock just doing that. Yes. Like uh, I'm looking at a VersaTrial right now for one of my studies. Okay. So there's the IRT link. There's a training link. There's an invoicing link. There's SIP, uh-huh. which is Shared Investigator Portal uh, Platform. Uh-huh. There's uh, ECOA, link, which is a patient reported outcomes. There's a payment link to pay patients. There's a shortcut to a protocol. There's a central recruitment vendor link. <laughs> There's a lab link, an IRB link, SUSARS, EDC, another lab link, and a Judy, which is a SAE reporting. Okay. Look at that's oh, nice. That's just for one trial. Another yep. one has like 15 links. So <laughs> Understanding why for someone new, I think is a huge unlock because then you can get into bothering with the details. If you don't understand why, you're going to ignore it because it's intimidating. Like, why do I need all these links?
1: Yep. And you won't even begin to know how to use it and how to use it efficiently because um, one of the things I uh, tell students in all the different avenues that I work and mentor people is especially with technology, the information is as good as what you put into it, right? So as ve- as capable as tech is, it is still not human. And it literally relies on the information you feed into it. So if you put wrong information in it or flawed or incomplete, well, your data is going to be skewed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and know. that's just the links, guys and gals. To what the sponsor and CRO provided—that's not our site eSource, eReg, mm-hmm. CTMS. That's those are different. Yep. Those are site specific. And when you're a CRA, it, one site might be using Paper, another site might be using Creo. Shout oh, out yeah. to them. Another site might be using Real Time. So you got to learn all these things in addition to what is mandated on that study. It's oh, a yeah. lot. It's people definitely underestimate this.
1: Oh, yeah. Technology definitely is creeping more and more into clinical research. And that's the one thing that I would advise for new and transitioning clinical researchers as a whole is make technology your best friend.
0: <laughs> how can <laughs> they do that, you. though? Like, if you don't, because I agree, but I'm not sure how outside of our academy where you do get to play with like some of this stuff. Yeah. To do it like in the wild. Um
1: it is really unfortunate. There's not a lot of spaces. Um, I believe Korea does have an avenue where you can at least learn or get a little insight onto it, right? I believe I think so. all of, it Viva of them.
0: Viva Site Vault has something.
1: Okay. You have
0: to register as a site, and it's absolutely okay. free. Nice. Um, there's probably roundabout ways of playing with this stuff but mm-hmm. basically creating accounts logging in like that gcp the free gcp training yes, link, that's the free right. iata training link mm-hmm. those are portals you gotta awesome. have basic understanding of creating a password mm-hmm. registering i mean that stuff takes time all that stuff takes time
1: yeah so it's just those little things and while you may not have access to a lot of these um, softwares and this products. It's little things like learning how to use a computer as simple and basic as that sounds. It's amazing. There's some people who are not like savvy with using a PC or a laptop. Learning that Gmail, so on how to set up accounts, creating passwords, saving the password, securing your password, your password, learning how to like navigate between two systems. Like in some studies, depending on how you monitor, each monitor does your monitoring different. Um I had a monitor who I actually started adopting her approach, which I loved, is when I was on sites, I was like doing my EDC and then I was updating CTMS in real time. So that by the time I was done with the sites, I can go home and just you know, or at least go to my hotel room and just kind of like have a Zen moment because of the madness of that eight hours on site. But just little things like learning how to like work with two different systems, two different computers, um, learning how connections, well, what happens if your password, you know, gets lost? What happens if your PC powers that? Like those little technical things you can start working on. And then of course, when you get into the position where you have access to these different softwares, Take advantage. Um, and this is where I always train um mentor my people on is don't just stop at what you have access to, push the envelope and try to get more, learn more. Once you get into the sites of the CRO, it may be hard, it may be tasking. Thankfully, um, Dan, I know your site you literally allow your staff like breathe and grow their knowledge, but take advantage and learn, learn the systems that the site uses learn how it works you have to take advantage of the opportunities you get
0: and learn the lingo um absolutely <laughs> right that. one of the one of the instructor one of the other instructors that you know ashley Margot, who was oh. on last week to do a uh, nice. live with us she actually teaches like how to organize your outlook inbox mm-hmm. and yeah. calendar i mean those are like important skill set if you're a monitor you got to at least even if you have one study, you're going to have mm-hmm. like five sites, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. more, maybe a little less, somewhere around five, let's call it. How do you know yeah. which task or which email is for which site? You got to organize yeah. your inbox at least with folders to mm-hmm. keep the communication separate. So when you have an issue with a site, you don't need to look for other stuff you look for nope. in that folder. It's just simple things like that, that save a it lot matters. of time and it, it, it does matter. It does. And then, um, oh, let's go cut to some of the comments. By the way, if you have a questions for myself or Jislin, put them on here. Frank says, always learning new things, watching the space. This is what it's all about. Nice. Um, Alicia, who's coming nice. to SOS. Hi, learned how to do active learning a long time ago. It truly helps to understand the material. Absolutely, Absolutely. agree. And then yes. LinkedIn user degree in healthcare and pharma compliance. Which role oh. would you recommend pursuing, CRA or CRC? I'll leave that one for you. Oh, great! Thanks, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I know my I know what I'm gonna say, but uh, probably they're yeah. not gonna like it.
1: No, um, I'll, I'm pretty much going to say the same thing if I'm guessing right. So my universal suggestion for all people especially coming into clinical research is OACRC. That arguably is the heartbeat of being a clinical researcher. The wealth of knowledge you're going to get there is just, there are just no words to be able to help you understand how much you learn as a CRC. Especially if you're in a small site where you're used to basically do everything, you're the reg, you are the data, you're everything. You learn so much that once you grow into your desired clinical research role, maybe that's a CRA, it's a CTM, or it's a project manager, whatever that case is. Once you grow out of CRC into that role, what you know, will help you so much. What you learn as a CRC will help you so much. Um, One of my colleagues and really good friend, um, I won't call her name because she will probably die of embarrassment, but um, she started as a CRC, same setup. And I started as a CRC as well. And growing into our positions now, when um, she would go on site or when I went on site is I was able to pick up on certain things that if I went straight into being a CRA, I would have never have caught as a CRA. Yep. It's because I learned how to be a CRC first. So to answer your question, I would strongly suggest CRC first.
0: Me too. That's exactly what yes. I would have said. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can always tell, and sure, there are people who can get other roles without site-level mm-hmm. experience True. and that they're successful, but... The, eas- the lo- easiest, or not the easiest, the highest probability of success would be CRC first, uh, because yeah. that's there's more sites out there. There's more CRC roles than CRA roles. CRA is not an entry-level role at all. Uh, it's tough. Would, would you recommend applying to CRC, CRA training roles at a CRO or directly through the site? Uh, if they have these things, I know the CRA sometimes have like for RNs or for international medical graduates, CRA like courses. They're by mm-hmm. invite only. You can do that. Sites don't have this. Sites will take you. Research naive. That's another. Yeah. That's related to the topic Jeslin and I just answered basically. Um. Or you can do something like CRA Academy because it actually gives you real internship experience too. Yes. The average pay of a CRC it's very location dependent, even in the yeah. U.S. <laughs> and then average of what? Average of a brand new CRC is going to be very different than average of an experienced CRC. Yes,
1: and even at my own site. It's key. experience is it, key.
0: Experiences everything, even at my own site where we have the most experienced person is a year and a half. The least experienced person is two weeks. There's a wide range between those two salaries and pay Mm -hmm. because of ROI. Like, what can they actually do right now for Mm -hmm. me? And it changes really quickly as a CRC at one of these small sites. So. If you want to give, uh, like, force me to quote, <laughs> I would say anywhere from forty-five thousand a year to over a hundred thousand a year, depending on location, the site, your experience level, and.
1: That's true that. because in here in the Texas area, those um, ranges kind of scale down a little lower. So definitely, location is key. And what I would suggest you do, Frank, is I would suggest you kind of like Google, like the sites in your area, just maybe on LinkedIn here, just see all the different CRC positions that are available in your area. And some of the positions do post what the pay will be, see what that pay range is in your area, because it literally is dependent, as Dan perfectly said, it depends on location and experience. Those two things matter
0: in yuma arizona we start out at 16 an hour and then we go which is believe it or not like higher than the local average for ancillary roles like medical assistants or cnas Mm. uh but then really quickly we escalate the pay like within three months then another three and then you start reaching uh like kind of um not a ceiling but a plateau until your next step so right around that year year and a half mark you have mm-hmm. to start doing other things at the site to earn more like quality assurance or biz dev yeah. and this is where the individual's inclinations um factor into like not everyone's gonna be good at patient recruitment or qaqc um, but if you are at both that's the case but somewhere like on the east coast i think it would be higher like the good barometer is what is the, um, what is an experienced medical assistant making? And yeah. because that's probably yeah. what a starting CRC is going to make at a small site, <clears throat> maybe a little more, but okay. like in our case, it's a little more, um, but then it moves up quickly. That's the difference between a CRC and like a an MA. MA kind of stays there yeah. forever, really. And the CRC is just three months, then another three, at least the way we do it. Um, so it moves quickly. It's not where you start is not where you're going to finish. Yeah. Uh, headed in a CRC broad-based direction, then got to get that CRC Academy training. Yeah, Jasmine yeah. teaches CRC Academy <laughs> as well. Yes. All right, we paused for questions. So the last topic, what is it? The Your favorite one.
1: Oh, my favorite CRA Academy training, which is how to be a successful CRA or CRC, just how to be a successful clinical researcher. Um, Yet again, and that's the intentionality of choosing these bonus classes here at the CRA Academy is the things that nobody teaches and or tell you.
0: Little things. And by the way, (laughs) we... (laughs) Not we. I, when I, (laughs) we had places, I wanted additional classes for the CRA Academy Uh and Monica for the CRC. Mm -hmm. I selected Jeslyn because I know her and everything she's done. Mm -hmm. And I basically said, look, I love the EKG thing. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. And the other two classes, you pick what you want to teach because I know you know the market better than me. You know the struggle. (laughs) At at least at the entry level, overall, because you you experienced that more recently than I did. Yeah, you're you're more current. What those two things are, so these are like her. She curates these, and she can change it like in a year. If she's like, no, I'm gonna modify this and do the. That's it's Jeslin. That's Jeslin. She's not (laughs) really getting like orders from anyone. This is her unfiltered thoughts.
1: and believe me they are critical which is the intentionality of choosing them i did choose these classes because this is what i wanted to hear myself say um i mean if i really wanted to hear myself speak i could just record my voice and just replays in my you know just in my home um but the choice of these classes is what you need to know not necessarily what you would like to know because You may like to hear things that are not needed. So, the choice of these classes are critical because these are things that literally affect your work life balance. They ultimately affect patient care, they affect your mental health. And if you're not careful in knowing the job you're doing, learning how to do it as effectively and as efficiently as possible, it will affect you and the work you do. Period. So, with the um, third bonus class on how to be a successful clinical researcher, I was intentionally choosing that because there are things discussed such as time management. I mean, what are the odds of you being taught how to manage time? And that might seem like, oh, it's, it's simple, but mm, it really isn't as simple as you might think it is because there are strategies that you need to use, know, and employ. To manage your time, and one person might think, Oh, I'm such an amazing time management. Um, I, I manage my time so well until you become a clinical researcher. And it's like, Whoa, <laughs> maybe I need to work on this. It yes. matters. It Organizational matters. skills, you talked about that a few uh, minutes ago, Dan. Um, with Ashley's class, which, hey, Ashley, I don't know if you're watching this, so watch this. It's been a minute, sure. but <laughs> nice, but that is. So yet another critical thing, and we do touch on that in the um Bonos class is how to be organized because yes, you will get depending on where you work, the CRO form, and what you know utilization they decide to use you on, you may get two different studies, and each of those studies, if you're lucky, you may get just three, two, three for each study. So two studies three sites a piece. That's six different sites. They will give you the protocol. They'll give you any of the learning materials that you need to learn. They are not going to sit there and teach you. Here you go. Figure it out. And you better do it well too. (laughs) So you have to learn the protocol. Of course, they'll, you know, give you some kind of like training, like Thinness and you know all that good stuff, but you have to go learn that. Well, how are you going to manage? You know, scheduling your sites, the visits. How are you going to manage? You know, and organize yourself to travel to the different sites. Well, you definitely don't want to send any of your monitoring letters to the wrong sites for the wrong study. So there are those little things that you need to know. And again, that's the um, intentionality of choosing that. Is these are things that people next to never tell you thankfully for dad for chris and all of the different um, players that are willing to put good information out there thankfully we have those few and it's slowly but surely increasing but these are things no one really will tell you and train you on no one
0: i struggle the most with time management and actually i can mm-hmm. already see it in some of my new employees so i i came up with this the other day i didn't come up with Ooh. this but uh Okay. I learned this from a business person uh, like two decades, uh, like 15 years ago. So when you're, a, whether you're a CRA or CRC or anything, okay, you're getting mm-hmm. bombarded. Even if, like you just said, one study with six sites, things mm-hmm. start happening day one. Like SAE occurs at one site, deviation mm-hmm. occurs at another, a new staff o- occurs at another. There's just so overload from like day mm-hmm. one. So yeah. how do you know what to do? Well, and this, you won't know this like right away. Very important. or So mm-hmm. urgent, important. That's number one. Urgent, not important. Yeah. number two. Not important, not urgent, but important. Number three. Mm-hmm. And not urgent, not important. You know how many things fall into this category that people <laughs> spend time on? People spend time on not urgent, not important, when they have urgent, important things they need to do. Mm-hmm. Now, the caveat is like learning which one's which. And sometimes your employer dictates that. Yeah. Or sometimes you have to figure it out. And that's another thing that comes with experiences. Oh, yeah. Learning what's what mm-hmm. in what category. Truth.
1: And what I will definitely suggest will help with that is critical thinking. I cannot begin to stress how important that is. Um, It does require you to put a lot more pressure in using this, using your mind, using your head and think. But when anything comes your way is ask yourself, is this urgent? Is it critical? Is it important? Does this require my energy right this second? Can it wait five, 10 minutes, an hour, which put them in like a priority, put them in order, which one will be the most important to get done first and faster. That is literally a good one. I I actually just um, learned that not too long ago. I need to delve deeper into that. So thanks for sharing that. So for the new class coming in, um, the Next year Academy starts January. What's that? The
0: week of January 7th.
1: 7th. Nice. So definitely that's going to be something I'm going to incorporate into our bonus class. Um, number three for that group is more in-depth on that because that makes the world of difference
0: yeah and just sometimes just a checklist too like i've had checklists i'm not an organized person and i (laughs) i'm talkative and i uh like there's a lot that i uh don't do well when it comes to organization and Mm -hmm. time management it's probably my weakness but i to at least
1: not tell
0: (laughs) oh no like it's terrible but i i actually keep like um checklists so mm-hmm. and these are like the i have like basically the first three categories here like urgent import i don't put not urgent not important here but okay. i put all the other three on here and it's just a checklist like every day did i do this and then yeah it's amazing how th- the day can get away from you when something unexpected happens that oh, yeah. you just transfer your checklist over to the next day. You don't forget, you know, the things that you need to f- that you need to figure out. And so. at least I keep myself on track that way. But it's t- it's really a skill set that you need to master. In yeah.
1: And say so that's amazing. You raise up something interesting that I think um, the audience will want and need to know is. Nobody is perfect. Everyone has strengths. Everyone has weaknesses. The catch is you have to identify your weaknesses and find a way to work on those. So like that, you said you are. I can't believe this, but- yeah. If you say it, I'll work with you on that. You said your organizational skills is one of your weaknesses. Like I said, it's, I could hardly tell. And you just explained why, because you've identified your weaknesses and there are things you're doing to keep yourself, you know, on top of that yep. part. And that helps a lot because again, Perfection is an illusion. Nobody's perfect. So the people who appear, oh, my God, you look so organized. Well, they have little things they're doing to keep themselves organized, to check themselves and to catch things. And in clinical research, one of the critical things is attention to details. And being organized will help you catch those little details. Again, you have to know what is priority and what isn't so how are you going to determine that so it's that critical thinking is looking at and assessing the things that you're doing to making sure that it fits
0: yeah yeah so yeah i'm a business owner so
1: mm, talk i can it. get
0: away i could get away with it because i when i hire someone or when i'm training when it, when somebody's like give basically given a task of for that business keeping me on track so that's mm-hmm. important uh, for all the businesses, whether it's the CRA Academy or Yuma Clinical Trials mm-hmm. or DSCS, or like somebody's job is to keep me on track. And we actually do it with checklists. Like my, my site director, not the site director, but the lead CRC at my site, Yuma Clinical Trials, mm-hmm. every week she gives a checklist to every staff member, including mm-hmm. myself. So I get one. Like these are things. That <laughs> so that keeps me on task, right? And then when I was a CRA, I couldn't do this. I didn't have this luxury. So I had to really make a concerted effort to become that person for myself. Yeah. Like keep my don't do anything else right now, but monitor, right? <laughs> I know you're going to get a client call or something at one of your other businesses happening, you but no, when I was monitoring for those 3 years, I was like on the days I was monitoring. Yeah. I was just in that mode of just, <laughs> that's the only way to do it. You Focus. cannot, yes, you have to, and you have to prioritize. And I'm really glad you're teaching that. Yes. That, uh, this, these bonus classes, <clears throat> you wanted to share a little bit about what you do. You have like networking, uh, you're like networking well, master. Crown,
1: <laughs> I am definitely learning and growing as, much as i humanly can um, but it's crowned the clinical research organized women's network it's basically a network it's named for women because that's where my heart is that's where the focus is i know Um, We need more resources for clinical research as a whole, but women also need that support. Um, But definitely it's welcome to all clinical researchers, but it's basically a networking opportunity for people in clinical research to come together. Um, They send questions, resources. um, I just help people to understand certain things, certain nuances, and to be a resource, not just me. Um, There's some mentors that we do have with Crown that will mentor you on just the in-betweens of when you get through with the different training programs you go through, the CRA Academy, CRC Academy, wherever you learn to be a clinical researcher. Well, once that's said and done, what happens? So it's just to have a network and a resource where we can just kind of like have camaraderie and just be supportive of each other. And uh, as much as I would love to have everyone in CROWN, I know CROWN may not be for everyone. CROWN, which is the acronym for Clinical Research Organized Women's Network, but I know there's the Latinos in clinical research. They're just different networks that you fit in. So you find your place, you fit in, and you be a part of a network because, again, networking is key. It makes a world of difference to have a network you belong to, to have a good network where people will mentor you and be a resource to you. So that was the goal or is the goal with Crown is to have a network where we can be a resource to mentor and support people in clinical research.
0: Yeah, the ecosystem that this industry has provided really since COVID is amazing. Mm -hmm. You used to have to go. There was only two places. There was Socra ACRP. And you had to like go to your local chapter and wait. Like I think if you're lucky, they did it every month. Otherwise, (laughs) it was every quarter. You can literally network every day just in the live streams of these lives that we do you can there's not just me there's others doing these live streams yeah um, there's latinos and clinker research like you said Brown. Yeah. there's yeah. so many different organizations out there that you can be a part of just to network and yeah. a lot of them are free and it's just you that's showing up truth. and meeting people
1: yeah so um definitely that's oh i cannot begin to stress how critical it is to network and be a part of a network. And again, the one thing I do hope and pray that everyone takes away is just being a passive presence is not enough. So it's not enough to just be a fly on the wall. Don't just connect and be like, okay, I've connected and just sit on your your fingers. Again, you have to take ownership. So you have to like reach out, participate when there's a Zoom call, when there are these live streams, you have to like connect and interact because people, this may be a little off um, line, but you can apply it. People do business with people they know and trust. So if I don't know you, how can I refer you for a job? I don't know you, I, I barely even know your name. So how am I gonna get to know you is by the interaction. So by when I you know have different online communication with you, um, on the streams that Dan does when I see you asking questions so I can pick up on who you are. I'm not going to absolutely know who you are. Of course not. But I'll begin to get an inkling of the type of person you are and the type of clinical researcher you would be. And that will help in me saying, oh my gosh, I have a CRC opportunity or CRA. Mm. I'm going to give that to Alicia. <laughs> she is yeah. going to get up here. She's going to do the job. She's going to ask the question. And she's going to be an excellent such and such. So, is why? Just because Jordan. we know her
0: and not we don't, yeah. I don't never met Alicia in person, yeah. but we've right. interacted but so often games. online. Yes, exactly. And the, she's doing it herself, like you know, yeah. it didn't just magically appear. Uh, shout out to Alicia, yeah. by the way, she's coming to SOS to Save Our yeah. sites. Are you she's coming, Jeslyn? I SOS plan to
1: I just need to make sure my schedule is clear for that mm. week, but I I plan to when is the deadline to register? I believe it's this week.
0: The end of this year.
1: Oh, okay, so I <laughs> listen, I still have time.
0: <laughs> you stop that.
1: <laughs> no, but I plan to, I just need to make sure my schedule allows me to physically be there. And there wouldn't be a virtual opportunity for those who can't physically be there. It's gonna have to be a physical presence, correct?
0: Yeah, not this year. We definitely are gonna try to do that next year. This was our first event and it's only a one day thing, so we didn't want to complicate it. Yeah, we just wanted to get it done, like yeah, get an easy win. Well, it's not easy, but it's just the easiest the easiest event you can have, you know. Yeah, it's it's still difficult more much more difficult than you can imagine. Just planning for one thing, but uh, yeah. next year, 2025. Hopefully, we do the okay. virtual. Okay. So for elements.
1: 2024, for those who are possibly just for the first time, <laughs> first time just hearing about this, or maybe don't know yeah. the finalized details, like what day, location, what February
0: second, we- 2024, Tucson, mm-hmm. Arizona. It's a Friday. It's on the University of Arizona campus. That's where I went as an undergrad. Um, And that's the first one we, that's the first location, inaugural location. Mm. Uh, I think 2025 will be somewhere else. We're going to switch up the locations and the dates um, Mm. because February is cold in a lot of places, but not Arizona. Arizona is nice and warm. Uh, Today's going to be like 75 here so
1: oh oh my gosh
0: yeah it's nice <laughs> so everybody nice. tickets. look you're you're right it's only like 12 days left but end of this year 2023 is it we're cutting off yeah. tickets. um save our sites.com and then thank okay. you so much Jislin, for teaching our bonus classes on the cra <laughs> yeah. that course yes. starts the week of january 7th so yes. get in now there are spots left uh, but how the holidays like that week be of christmas and new year mm-hmm. is always our highest enrollment enrolling two yeah. weeks yeah uh-huh and it makes sense new year's Every resolution I people have downtime people are gonna do yeah. their due diligence and jeslin's been teaching this for a while and uh, <laughs> Weren't you a student in one of them? I Actually, both of them. Both of
1: them. CRC and the CRA. (laughs) I was ready. So I don't know if you remember how I met you is when you were doing a lot of YouTube videos, I all but stalked you. So tell your wife, I'm sorry, but I was one of (laughs) your stalkers. (laughs) Yes, I was. Thank you. So every little thing you posted on YouTube, I was just eating up, joining in. And I mean, I was having it on replay in my head. I'm playing it every moment that I had. So that's how I started learning, started engaging. And um at what point I reached out to you about the training and as of the time when I reached out, you told me the cost. And I remember thinking, um, <laughs> well, hey Ashley, I hope <laughs> to be there at the SOS. Yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I reached out to you about the um, CRC training program and you told me the cost. And so then um, my pocket wasn't in agreement with that cost, so I had to have that hard conversation with myself and not fall into that typical, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. Why are you charging me? I had to just realize that it's not expensive. It's just outside of my budget. And so I had to kind of like pivot and make the accommodations. And next thing I know, I was able to get into the class, went through it. Monica was just awesome. The information was beyond awesome. And not too long after I started the class, I got my first CRC job. So it worked and then as soon as that was done out there, say about just about a year later, I got into CRE Academy. And ironically, um, I would say maybe just under a year after CRE Academy, um, I got my outside of the SCS because I started working with you about that time frame after I got through, I worked with you for a hot minutes, still working with you. Thank the Lord. Thank <laughs> and then I started um, freelancing at different CROs and got just under a year, I dare say probably about eight months after the CRA Academy, um, I got a job at a CRO. So popular CRO, I don't want to call their name because it was a toxic environment.
0: That's so I, the one. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm like, listen, your paper does not accommodate the craziness. Like you're not about to kill me for a paper. <laughs> this was such a good
0: testimonial uh, yes. without the toxic part, but yes, you said- you I now I remember, and this was not meant to be a testimonial, but it's probably best.
1: <laughs> sorry y'all.
0: No, no, but it's great. Thank you. Uh um, you said you compared the that big CRO's onboarding program with ours. Yes.
1: Oh my gosh. The difference is night and day. So that's the key, is with the CROs, they're a larger entity and they're not training focused. Their focus is to onboard you and get you on the study like the next second. So I remember going through it and I actually spoke with uh, my good friend. Uh, She's also a CRA. She's a senior CRA on track to become like a CTL. And I told her, I said, I am so beyond glad and grateful to God that I went through the CRC and CRA Academy training before I started there. Because if I did not, I would have been even more confused and conflicted because the training is it's it's lacking. It doesn't, it gives you very, very high level, if you will, training on things that you're like, well. First of all, come back. What do you mean by API? What do you mean by this? They do not train you, long story short. And if you don't have the good, strong foundational training and knowledge given to you in programs like the CRA Academy and CRC Academy, when you get on the job, it will make it dramatically harder. And yes, they say they train you. They don't. <laughs>
0: So, you know why I figured it out yeah. recently? Well, not recently, but huh. um, it's kind of intuitive if you break it down. They do CYA training, cover your ass. There and you go. They, they're they not interested. Well, they would love that you come in. They expect that you're already coming in with some working knowledge. Knowledge yes. So, their, their training they give you is in case they get audited or sued mm-hmm. by a mm-hmm. sponsor or a regulator. Yeah. And they say, did you train your staff? Like, that's just yes. legal. Check the box stuff. Yes. It's nothing practical that's going to help you when you're on site and mm-hmm. the coordinator is not there. And what do you do? Do you pack up and go home or do you continue the visit? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. So, Thank you, Jeslyn, for that testimonial.
1: Oh, thank you for all you do then. Honestly, um, on behalf of all of your audience and the new transitioning staff and those who are leveling up in clinical research, thank you for being a resource for these live videos, for the podcast, for the opportunity and for the platform. It is invaluable and I am sure a lot of people do, but I definitely appreciate you. So thank you, Dan.
0: Thank you, Jazlyn. <laughs> I appreciate it. Everybody go connect with Jazlyn right now. She's someone you have to connect with, <laughs> whether you join the CRA Academy or not, yes. or the CRC Academy or not. Her link is underneath, and <laughs> and her Crown Networking. Uh, Would well, Just message her, and she'll tell you about that
1: sweet thank you
0: (laughs) thank you jesson thank you everyone for watching and listening Mm it will catch you all later go follow right now with jesslyn bye 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 (laughs)